everybody! Welcome to the Good Evening Kitties podcast, a Tales from the Crip review. My name is Melissa, your ghostess with the mostess, and today's episode is Season 6, Episode 3, Whirlpool. I brought with me back again, Mike. Hi, Mike. Hello, hello, boys and girls. You ready? And to... non-binary pals and everyone in between and wherever you may be. <laughs> hope you're staying safe. Yes, everybody, I hope you're staying safe. So yes, Season 6, Episode 3, Whirlpool. We have a lot to say about this episode that has nothing at all really going on. It sucks. It does not suck. <laughs> it's just not super great. It seems to lack Death. It, any substance, right. really. It's um. There's no point to it. Yeah. But we'll get into that. So yeah, we have a lot to say. So let's open up here. As always, John Kassir does the voice of the Crypt Keeper and Danny Elfman does the theme song. This episode aired October 31st, 1994. It was directed by Mick Garris... He has a podcast and stuff now, but he's done a lot of mm. other movie things. He also directed Sleepwalkers, the movie Sleepwalkers. <sighs> Refresh my memory. Isn't that the one with the cats? No, that was like <laughs> skin... I feel so stupid. It had Mage and Amig in it, didn't it? And then yeah, there's like I think a that's few... Sleepwalkers. That's Sleepwalkers. It's the one where... The, the kitty the, incest? It wasn't like Skinwalkers? <laughs> or... No, nah, I'm... There's so many things that have phone? walkers. Grab your phone. I want to look it up. Wait, no, I have the internet <sighs> right here. I was going to say, you got... <laughs> <laughs> let's see sleep yeah that's that freaky cat one okay so that is that one yeah that's the one where like the dog... i just bought that at like a barnes and noble out of nowhere it was in like the two dollar rack they were trying to get rid of it i was like okay i'll watch this it's not terrible I'm no just... it's actually it's actually okay yeah, it's, it's not bad it's just a weird type of movie um so yeah so he's the director for this the screenplay is by gilbert adler and al katz who al katz also had a small little bit role in this episode this episode stars rita rutner who has also been in movies like peter's friends richard lewis from movies like robin hood men in tights hmm. and blake clark from movies like the Waterboy and 50 first dates i will say it was very weird seeing prince john in this episode so yeah, it's a pretty small cast for this one. It's basically set in just two or three different sets and scenes. And it's basically a play on eventually like a role reversal, Groundhog's Day type thing. Oh boy. <laughs> that really doesn't pay off in the end. I don't I don't hate it. I've heard bad things about the episode even before I rewatched it or whatever. Um, it had been a long time since I've seen this. And I don't really even remember seeing it, so maybe I haven't. But the execution wasn't super great. It leaned too heavy on everything being repeated and then being like, remember? Remember yeah. when we said that earlier? And it's like, yeah, we do. I mean, was... We definitely <laughs> saw this episode a while before you started the show. Yeah, okay. It was, um, we watched all of them. We didn't skip around, I don't think at all. It definitely is one of the more forgettable ones. And watching it the first time, I didn't really mind it that much because Rita Rutner is awesome. I yeah, she, she's the she for me. I like her as because she's a stand-up comedian as well as Richard Lewis, and I like her anyway. Her comedy is okay. It's a, it can be a little like a little corny, a little silly. That, that that I would expect that. Yeah, I would expect kind of like a, a Jerry Seinfeld esque kind of thing coming from her. A little, yeah. So I mean, I like, but I like her in this. I think she's very cute. I like the way she delivers her lines. I think they picked a good person to play her role to be kind of out there and doing little crazy facial expressions because they add little sound effects and stuff to this yeah. episode too. I mean, I really didn't mind it because of her. I think watching it like a second time recently, like just after we rewatched it again, mm-hmm. now that I see everything besides her, I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so this episode here, let me go ahead and read the description on the back of the box for Whirlpool. 
It's deja vu all over again when a comic book artist finds events in her life are eerily repeating. Oh, wow. Where have we seen that before? (laughs) Groundhog Day? No. Oh. (laughs) And about five or seven recent movies, Happy Death Day. Hey, Happy Death Day was fun. Russian Doll. Like, this this, this thing gets a lot of retread for some reason. I don't know. People just can't think of different plots. I will say right here, Happy Death Day was fun. The second one was very disappointing. Uh, I still enjoy the main actress in it, though. She's fun. Anywho, let's get into it. So this one opens up here, and we have the Crypt Keeper, and he is remodeling the crypt and doing interior design. As you do. He's modernizing the crypt. Yeah, he's got... He's got Venetian blinds Yeah, there's blinds, or like window shades and curtains, and slatex paint. Like, get it? <laughs> yes, yes. And he's... Well, you'll probably die from the fumes. <laughs> it's probably an enamel, so... I think he's even got like a cup of tea or something. Not wearing a respirator. So. No, he don't, he's dead. It's fine. He's fine. There's <laughs> like so many paint flecks in his lungs. It doesn't matter. I mean, it keeps him alert. He likes it. He's making a whole lot of interior design jokes, almost kind of like dad jokey the way he's doing Like, he's just real pumped. I don't, at this, I don't know about you, but at this point in the series, like, all of the puns are just mounting, so they just kind of fly by me. I don't even register them anymore. <laughs> That's what happens when you get used to hearing the Crypt Keeper talk. After a while, you're just like, that's just what he says. It's just like, yeah, that, well, that was a pun. And that sure, was a pun. slay text paint. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. So, yeah, he opens up the episode. And this one is a period piece. Yeah, like late 40s, early 50s kind of thing. When was Eisenhower around? Early 50s. Okay, because I saw a picture of him on one of the newspapers in it. Throughout the 50s. So, oh, it's God. a 50s piece, I think. I'm going to get that wrong. Like, no, it's the early 60s. Well, let me look. Again. I would say mid-50s. Thank you, Internet. Just from everything past 45, I have no idea. Uh, 53 to 61, so it's somewhere between yeah. then. Okay. That's that's the area that we're in here. And I like some of it because they're also trying to do like a like a film noir type detective-y situation. That's one direction that they're trying for. The other is like <laughs> Looney Tunes slapstick. Yeah, because they keep having these like boink and things like, episode, like sounds on the episode and stuff, yeah. which is kind of funny. It opens up here, and we're in a bathroom. I think the bathroom might even be set to an earlier period, because um, this is a... We don't know this yet, but it's a completely different area. Like, it's going to jump to yeah, the a, actual episode. It's about the same. I mean, you got a Marilyn Monroe type there, very much of the 50s. I do really like the accents in this episode. Very New York. Very, like... Well, it's, it's that whole, like, stereotypical, like, Mel Blanc. Like, what even was that accent? Yeah. You know? Like, she's re- the chick in this is really putting it on. We all assume... Scene. You know, whenever I, you know, do voices from that, t- it's a time and a place that probably has very specific differences, but nowadays we're all just like, oh, everyone talk like this, you know? And it's like, there are probably so many different variations, and we're like, ah, I don't know. So there's this blonde woman in here, and there's like a bottle of beer or something, and an old like kind a of... Like Perignon or something. Yeah, like an old, not super clean bathroom, but there's some Lucky Strikes, and um, it shoots over, and the guy, Blake Clark, is in this scene as well and besides being in a lot of adam sandler movies he is also i think for a little bit he played the dad in boy meets world he was hunter's Uh, dad that's probably where i know him from then so he's in the bathtub or they had just finished having sex it's implied so you got him and then this blonde chick and then from you don't see it yet but some other guy comes up with a belt behind him and starts choking him out and he's in the bathtub in his clothes i don't know why Hey, Velma, you getting in the tub with me or not? Sure thing, John. I'll be right there. <laughs> well, I hope you like it. Hot. 
Blake Clark out with the belt and kills him. And it's this other guy who's younger and she's, yeah, she's topless. She's getting her clothes back on. And he's like, did you really have to sleep with him? You know, like this was like a whole plan that they were going to kill this guy. And she's like, well, I mean, I did what the job entailed. If I had to, I had to. And she's got kind of like that voice. Like if I had to, I know, you know what I'm saying? Like she's, it's very cute. <laughs> oh, it's going to try to grab one in like 10 her. years. I like her. And she's like, pity, I, you know, he was really nice. <laughs> I really liked him. Oh, I'm sure he was. This Fred Flintstone-looking motherfucker was the nicest guy. Yeah, he, I mean, we don't know. We got to see him for two seconds. <laughs> so then they're talking and getting ready, you know, to just, like, clean up the mess and all that stuff and call and do whatever they're going to do. And then the guy who was being choked out, Blake Clark, st- stands back up. And he's all like, yeah, I'm still here, baby, you know, and stuff like that. And he chokes the other guy out who was killing him and kills him. He chokes him really easily. You he know, just never, grabs him for that's like two why seconds. You got big guys with thick necks. You got to stay in there for the long haul. Yeah, you, you want to hold that belt for like three yeah, minutes. You, you know? Really, he amateurs, man. Yeah, because that other guy just literally turns over to this other guy, to the killer, holds his neck. I, I love and the guy how you have out. to illustrate this by grabbing my <laughs> I'm neck. I'm holding Mike's neck it. right now, guys. <laughs> And so she's like, no, and she screams. And then it cuts to a comic book strip, and it's her yeah. screaming. So now we're out of this first scene, which Tales from the Crypt likes to do that. The first, like, five minutes, most of the time I'm like, where are we going with this? Because is this <laughs> even what's happening? Because usually it's not. And so it's at a, at a Tales from the Crypt comic office, which I think is cool. So meta. I like it. I think I like the way they set up the office because it's, like, like the 50s, yeah. 60s. It's been a while since we've done that. I mean, the last one I think I can really recall was Corman's Calamity, where that was a Tales from the Crypt. I don't know. I want to say there's been period pieces in between. In between. No, these. I'm talking about the ones based on the comic book. Ah, uh, okay. Like, well, yeah. yeah, there's only a handful of there's those. There's not too many of them. So it's been a while. And so it cuts to this. Rita Rutner works at the Tales from the Crypt comic place. She is a cartoonist, and she's pitching her idea here with the this uh, drawing of everything we just saw. And Richard Lewis is her boss. And there's these two other guys there. I think one of them is A.L. Katz. They're disparaging the work. They're saying they can't make sense of who's dead and who's not. Yeah. Even though the whole story is very straightforward. So I was confused as to what their problem was. Well, with they're not it. sure why he came back. They're not sure why the guy would come back. It's like, well, for one, he You didn't could... choke him good enough. Yeah. That's, it's, I don't it's even a think common... it's really supposed to be. I mean, she. I don't like, think she meant for it to be like spiritual, but now they're like, what does this mean? It's not confusing, you guys. I mean, I feel like these guys have they're never seen a movie yeah. or, or, or any work of fiction. Well, because this is the 50s. There weren't a whole lot of those kind of movies out there. There were tons of things. People were getting back up from the dead all the time back then. It was an epidemic of life. <laughs> and so Rita Rutner's there again I think her, she's cute in this I like her she's got this little like almost looks like a stewardess type outfit it has an R on it her name in this is Rolanda I have a feeling that might just be her outfit and she has an R on it for Rita Rutner yeah, yeah probably I mean it's, <laughs> it's her, just her thing she, she brought her wardrobe yeah wardrobe. I feel like they're like yeah just she's like great wouldn't surprise me if this episode was filmed on the cheap it does seem a little cheaper like they don't really but there's not really much props you could use but they really the way they shoot the different oh. scenes, it's really not a whole lot going on. 
I think I can see why people were so angry at this episode. Yeah. My, my personal theory being, like, how I watched the, these episodes, you know. Didn't have cable growing up, so whenever we went to a hotel, sometimes if we were really lucky before we went to bed at the hotel, we'd be able to see something on HBO, you know, if it didn't have any too many titties in it. So, let's switch to Tales of the Crypt. Violence is okay. Well, violence was but fine, you know. That's that's fine. You got some side boob. Oh, God. You know, oh, yeah. That's, it has warped my mind, you know. But... Uh, Anyways, uh, you'd, you'd watch a Tales from the Crypt episode, and usually you get something like Yellow, or like that one where that oh, that one where the guy was ch- in the bayou is chased into the old house, and where the woman goes mm, up stared to, in horror. Yeah, stared that that one seems to have show. I, I saw that like five times in different hotels throughout the that states. That one was played a lot. All the, all sorts of different states growing up. So I, I would see these, and I was like, well, they were pretty cool. And then imagine if, if like kids in my same situation went and were like, oh, we're so excited to see. Oh, it's Tales from the Crypt. I'm going to have a good... Well, if I go to bed right after this, I'll be, it's, that's fine. And it turns out to be this episode. Imagine that... that I can see the, the personal animus, the hate that might come from it. Well, but. and this one was... It was released on Halloween night in 1994, as well as two others. The Let the Punishment... Or Let the Punishment Fit the Crime and Only Skin Deep. So it's like you started out good, yeah. got, you know, good, and then it just ends with Whirlpool and you're like, okay, guys, see well, So you if you saw it on premiere night and it wasn't a rerun, <laughs> then at least you'd have two other episodes to be like, well, those were good, at least. Yeah. They're yelling, uh, Richard Lewis is yelling at her about her cartoon and saying he doesn't get it. All the other guys are trying to figure it out. Now, wait a minute. Maybe I'm stupid or something, but I don't get it. No, it's simple. This guy is really dead. What, he's dead? No, he's dead. What, you mean he's dead? He's dead. What, are you kidding me? What's the matter? You don't like it? What's to like? What kind of ending is that? It's a twist. It's a piece of shit. Even the artwork sucks. There is no edge to it. It's predictable. What are you talking about? You don't expect the guy in the tub to be alive. He's alive? Jeez, I, I thought he was a ghoul or something. He's not? Okay. He's a ghoul. So he's like, you know what? Scrap it. Because she, they're like, is it a ghoul? She's like, um, fine. It's a ghoul. I made it a ghoul, yes. <laughs> so they scrap it. For, she's supposed to keep working on it. And Richard Lewis is like asking the other guys for just to go with their pieces because they have two hours. They have to get this episode out or this um magazine out. They got to get this next publication out. So what I like here is also one of the guys that she's working with is like, what about that one I was working on? The one where um, the guy wants to be the head of the company and then they make him just a head. No, not that one. <laughs> the one where he the one guy goes, what about the one where he's a werewolf and she's a vampire and neither of them know it? Christ's sake, Sean, I gotta get this issue to the printers in two hours, except now I'm a story short. Thank you. Iggy, you got anything in your files? I got that. He's a werewolf, she's a vampire, but neither of them knows its story. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's fun, because yeah. that's Werewolf Concerto. Which was awesome. Yeah. So I was like, all right, that's cool. That's the one, you know, they did what they did that. And then I go to look it up on IMDb, and IMDb was like, he referenced the secret. And I'm like... I like the secret even more, but nope. Kind of, but not really, because that was a child, and it was like... Keep in mind, this is IMDb you're going for your information for, so... I know, but I just thought it was interesting, because that, that's the one they called out instead of Werewolf from Cherito, because I think, for me, it's obviously that one that was referenced. I have seen the most random, just, claims on that site. Yeah, well... I know, some of them are really reaching. They're like, did you know these two people work together on this movie as well? It's like, okay. No, <laughs> it's almost like Hollywood is an incredibly small town when you get to know it. So they're moving on with that. She's in trouble. Richard Lewis playing Vern Caputo or Caputo <laughs> calls her into his office. She goes into the office and he's got like a huge tie. I just think it's like a big tie. 
And he's yelling at her. On his desk is like... So many little statues of liberty. So many. <laughs> and I don't really... It's, it's one of those things where you would just see it as a, like a little quirk in many works of fiction. Here, because there's not that much to go on, I was kind of like obsessing about it for a second, thinking, what does that mean? And it doesn't mean anything. It's just I like mean, they said, wouldn't just... it be quirky if we gave him a bunch of little statues of liberty? I mean, there's other stuff, too. There's like a bullet, I think. And so I think they're just sticking the point... That they're in New York. They're like, in case you couldn't tell by the accents and the names, possibly, <laughs> and <laughs> this whole situation. They are in New York, but there are so many Statues of Liberties here. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe that's all he likes and that's all he gets for gifts from his workers. So he's telling her this isn't going to work. Apparently she has had a drinking problem. He's like, have you been drinking? She's like, no. You kind of get the feeling that this has been leading up. I mean, it's kind of weird that he would fire over one story yeah. that didn't work for him personally. Yeah, it definitely it definitely has been here before. He also makes a couple um, rude comments about her being on her knees and things like that. So it's implied that they have had a little bit of a, I wouldn't even say a romance, but just they've, she's that, done things are you, with him. Are you him. thinking that she got her job through sexual favors? Or kept her job if she no. had an alcohol problem. Even if he is like, like, he's like, I've seen you on your knees and it's not a pretty picture. And it's like, yeah, neither are you. But, uh. Yeah, me too. Hashtag 1950s comic scene. And so she gets fired. And she's like, what? You know, she's like, I can't believe it. And then immediately, like, the like security guys comes up and grabs her, throws her out of this elevator. Hurls her bodily out <laughs> of the elevator. So this elevator is important, too. This is the second kind of scene they have here. So she comes down. The security guard brings her down the elevator opens and she yeah they just throw her onto this cement floor ceramic floor porcelain whatever tile and she's like oh like hits it she comes back later that night a little bit before midnight which though i think on one of the clocks across the hall in the other room one of the hands was down at like a five or something so i'm like i don't think that time was right but there are some continuity issues with the episode it's nothing gigantic yeah there were a couple things but there's one coming up here too so richard lewis's character Vern, is still back in his office it's nearly midnight she comes back in and she's drunk, and it's it's kind of charming. <laughs> it is, it is it's cute drunk. There's only so many different flavors of drunk. This is one of the more endearing yes. forms of drunk. She's she's like, I went down to that place around the corner. That this knows is a nice me. little, this is a nice little speaker. Recognize me and I got Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and he's drinking too a little bit, and she comes back and she's like, I plant, I have this great new story, and she's got this little hat on, and there's like a lot of fog and like kind of smoky haziness in these episode in this episode. She's like, I have a new ending for my story. And she pulls out a gun, like a revolver. You're a little later than I expected. I wasn't going to wait much past midnight. I took your advice and I stopped in that cozy little bar around the corner. They remembered me. Why not? They've been in mourning since the day you climbed on the wagon. <laughs> Buddy, <laughs> that's what they said. Can we speed this up? I got to get to work in the morning. I got a great idea for a story, Vern. It's about a gal who loses her job, and something inside of her snaps, and she finds that thing that gives her back her edge. Sounds a little thin. Just me. The visual is going to sell it. Wanda, what are you, what are you doing? I ain't begging for my job anymore, that's for sure. Look, you gotta understand, I did what I did for a reason. Garbage! On your knees! You're the one who's going to well, beg, and I've seen you on your knees, and it's not a pretty picture. 
And so then she shoots him, and he dies, and there's blood and all that stuff. The, you said the gunshot sounded like someone was smacking the it, it door. It sounded or something. like someone was slamming a cab, like a like yeah. a metal cabinet door. Foley, Foley is an art, people. You know, it just reminds me of Indiana Jones whenever his revolver goes off, and you hear like this sharp report because he used like a bolt action rifle to do it. It's inaccurate, but it sounds good. Here, it's like just I don't know. They always they always get it wrong in, in media. It's weird. But yeah, so then she stumbles back to the elevator with the gun, just holding the gun like, this is nice. She wants to touch the gun a lot in this episode. I know, it's it's weird. It's like a compunction. Always, always touching it. You mean compulsion? Yes. Okay. Although I believe that's also a word. Okay. Don't even mock my malpropisms. <laughs> just the other day, you were like, detritus. And I was like, no, detritus. <laughs> hey, you talk about your ideals? Yeah. We're going to talk about that? We're going to talk about ideals? Or scarce or scarce? Compunction. A feeling of guilt or moral scruple that prevents or follows the doing of something bad. I don't think that's the same word you were yeah, using. No. It is a word, though. That is melt. I've become dogberry right now. So. so she gets in the elevator with her gun, and she goes downstairs, and the elevator opens, and she walks out. And as soon as she walks out, there's like 12 police officers that come running around, and they shoot her a lot. A lot. A lot of squibs. Oh, it's definitely one of those, you know, stop and we'll shoot kind of moments. They just unload into Yeah. It. And so then she dies. Well, that's not really what happens because then she wakes up in her apartment. Uh, when, when I first saw this, I was thinking, oh, great. <laughs> she wakes up and she's got her hair, like, pinned up in a little nightgown thing. And she's got a couple, like, 50s, 60s accoutrement, like the old radio. And I will um, say one thing about this. The set design was point. was was just spot on. It was know. simple, but it worked. Everything pretty much just screams the 50s. But it wasn't like overdone. Where it's no. like sometimes you're like, you're trying to... No, it, it, looks, it actually looks like spaces people lived and worked in. So, Which I guess... Know, kudos for that. Maybe they really didn't need a whole lot of scenes for this. It just seems like maybe since the scenes were... The sets were so basic, they could have maybe thrown a little more into the plot or the script. I don't know. Like, <laughs> what, what, what they were going for, it kind of made it to where they were doomed to live it out the way it turned out. They would have needed more time to really flesh it out more, and that's something that only Yellow gets, I guess. So she wakes up and she realizes what has happened. She knows this is a repeat of what she already did. There is no I got you, babe, like in yeah. Groundhog Day, but she wakes up. And it's more like every time she just, like, she wakes up, like, <gasps> like you know, those, like, <laughs> those horrible ones where you have a dream and you wake up and you can't breathe. And she's got the cop, one of her copies, I guess one of her copies, because there's another copy of Whirlpool, which is the name of her comic that she's drawing, which is the name of this episode. I'm not sure why they went with Whirlpool, really. Um, but It's the name of the comic. Yeah, but why? It's the name of the comic. Oh, okay. I mean, I guess this this was probably taken off an, was this taken off an episode? Or a uh, comic, actually, itself? Mm, I mean, the vast majority of these are, aren't they? Mm. Oh, she looking, she looking up the things. Okay, it came. I think it came from Vault of Horror number thirty-two, so it probably was something similar. Maybe that's why. I don't know if it had the same name, but yeah. Anyway, so she's like, "Oh no, you know, this is all happening again." And then it pops back to that bathroom scene again from the beginning. So we're back in the comic, and now it's back to that her that that blonde lady going, "I'm gonna miss him. He was pretty good or pretty sweet or whatever." <laughs> and then. This time she turns around and then Blake Clark gets back up out of the tub again, kills the guy. People get strangled so easily in fiction, you know? Yeah, he like just, just touches the guy's neck and comes back for her and choke. Like he grabs her throat and chokes her, right? So he's going to kill her too, which I think was in the first one too. So there's not really much of a change, but it just kind of throws you back into this 
So now we're back in Tales from the Crip office. She's still getting yelled at again for her um, comic. For the same reason. Yeah. I can't tell if they reused like some something some material, or if they just did the same lines as a whole new shot. I'll be honest, I didn't pay that much attention. Well, in the second run, there was a little bit of difference in some of the inflections of the people, so I think they might have just redid it. Yeah. This time it's her admitting she hasn't been drinking. Like, it's not as implied so much about the drinking. Like, in the first run-through, he gives her a bottle of alcohol. Like, just jump on it, you're fired. Well, she cuts him off here to where he can't do that. Yeah, well, because she knows, she's looking at them and she's like, something is weird is going on. Like, she knows, <laughs> she's like, I've done this before. And it's the same two guys and they're still pitching the, you know, werewolf concerto or whatever. And they also have a line there where they're like, poor kid. And then the other guy is like... You gotta admit you've seen it coming, you know, that she was heading towards Can't us. say you didn't see it yeah. coming. Can't say you didn't see it coming. It's the idea of the brick joke. It's like, that thing gets repeated. That in and of itself makes it funny, right? I don't agree with that. So now she's called back into the office again. Richard Lewis is a little different here where he's a little more... He's not quite as brusque towards her. He's mm. a little more, this is not working. Uh, this time, she, she tries to beat him to the punch. She's like, because he's going to hit the buzzer and call the security guard. Yeah. And so she covers the buzzer. She's like, you mean because you're going to fire me? And he kind of lunges aggressively at it. So. Yeah, and like he doesn't even have to like really yell much. And next thing you know, that security guard is back up there again. But like he was just waiting right outside they the just, door. They just, you know, the, the security guard throws out like a, a cartoonist like every week. Oh, okay, yeah, is... he does He does give her the alcohol again. Yeah, yeah, this is, so yeah, she's, this is basically just her realizing everything's being repeated. She's trying to break, you know, the cycle. Well, I think she's just confused right now. She's not even sure what's going on. So now the security guard takes her back down again and throws her, I guess, out of the elevator. They don't show it. But now she's back at her apartment, and it's that night, and she's got that gun. And she's like, you know, maybe I could I could do it again. But she's like, no, nah, not the gun. So she just, after she's, like, prepared it, you know, like she's cocked it or whatever you do. You, mm-hmm. What do you do for a revolver? <laughs> <laughs> like, she did something where it made, like, a sound. So she was, like, putting, I guess she just put the bullets in the chamber. And she sets it down where her comic is at home. So now she goes back to Vern's office again. This time she doesn't have a gun, but Vern thinks that she does. He feels like he's onto her. Like he knows she's going to come back and kill him. She's also not drunk. I don't think she went, she didn't go back to the bar. She just went straight there. And so here there's a little bit of a continuity error that I noticed when we were watching it again. Yeah, um, it's one of those little things. I mean, yeah, obviously, it's nothing bad. This is the kind of thing to where you feel bad nitpicking it, but it's this episode, so let's do it. When at first, maybe I was just like, oh, maybe they didn't care about that, but then they fixed it. So that's why I was like, oh, okay, so it was a problem. <laughs> kind of funny. So that there's a scene here where Rita Rudner's standing near the door with her arms open, and she's like, because now he's got the gun. He's going to beat her to the punch. Fern's going to shoot her. And his back is turned towards the camera, and you can see he's wearing like a, a vest, like a you know, suit vest, and the back of it where you usually have that little strap that you can pull to tighten it is down low and hanging. And I made an offhand comment to Mike where I was like, oh, they need to fix that vest. <laughs> and then it cut back to her face and cut back and they had fixed the vest. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. It's pretty obvious, actually. Yeah, it was like, if you, kind if of you obvious. Look at it. So then they fixed it in the next scene, like two seconds later. They shouldn't have fixed it. Yeah, they should have just let it go or shot the whole <laughs> scene again. I mean, maybe they had time constraints, I don't know, but it wasn't a whole lot in the scene. Making art is hard. And so then they get in a bit of a tussle, and then the gun goes off, and it's that fun thing where, like, you don't know who got shot. I mean, it's not really fun, but you know what I mean? Yeah, because they're struggling with it. It's hand-to-hand, but they're pressed up against each other, so you you can't can't see. Yeah, you can't see. And it's funny because both of them have a really weird face when it goes off, like hers especially. So you can't tell if they got hit or (laughs) not. They're all like, gah! 
yeah. kind of like it's like a parrot's been like surprised kind of look well and like you can't tell because they both look like they're shocked so you're like either one of them could have been yeah. shot and then you find out it was Vern. he got shot so she's fine she goes back down. Does she take the gun with her again? Yeah, see, that's the thing. She takes the oh, gun yeah, with her. Oh, she picks it up. Yeah. She picks it up and she runs with it. Oh, wait, it. no. Oh, yeah, she does have it. Yeah, she just she yeah. didn't drop it. She goes back down. Okay, this is another continuity error I noticed from the first time, too. So when she gets back into the elevator, the number five on there is lit up. Hmm. And at first I was like, did someone mess up and someone was heading up to another floor and got off early? Or are they trying to imply that she's on the fifth floor? Why would that number be lit up? Unless huh. someone had pushed it. And I think it's because maybe when they were shooting it, they had to push it to go to the fifth floor. Ah. Or something. Because she goes, she she hits the first floor. So that fifth one shouldn't be lit up. It should be lit up on the outside, maybe, on the top. I don't think that was supposed to be right. Or they shot this scene. Or it's the same scene. It could be the same scene. Or similar scene. Okay, no, so this time she tries to go a different route. Okay, so yeah, that might have just been... Maybe it lights up when you land there. I don't know. That doesn't seem like it would, though. Most elevators don't do that. So now instead of going down... She goes to the 13th floor. And she gets out at the 13th floor, I guess thinking it'd be different. And no, there's still like five or six cops there that are just waiting like on every floor. And she's like, no. And they shoot her again. She wakes up in her apartment again. Now we're doing this for a third time. Are you tired of it yet? Still got some more it's, to go. I think a lot of it also, you come, it's like ending fatigue, you know? fake endings and the feeling that you just know where this is going because even at the time this episode came out this was a plot we'd all seen a lot before it's you know at least they didn't go for another round i feel like they maybe oh would have at mean, the time so yeah. it's the third time she wakes up again she's like <gasps> you know she wakes up and she gets up and she's like you know what maybe if i just stay here and work on it and don't go into work none of this will happen <laughs> You know, I, I said before that there is no, like, moral core to this story, which is something that's very unusual. With Tales from the Crypt, there's usually a moral core. There's a there's people who do bad get their just desserts. Yeah, no one's really all that bad and in this episode. No, yeah, they're just people. The, 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 but there is a moral, though. It's a very kind of neutral moral. Murder it's the, doesn't solve anything? No, you can't fight fate. <laughs> oh. No matter what you do, you cannot alter the course of events. It's a very, very Calvinist episode. Very predestination kind of oriented thing. And so she is like, okay, I'm not going in. So I thought this was kind of an interesting like power role reversal because now instead of her being told what to do, she goes over to her desk and she picks up the phone and she calls the, the Tales from the Crypt office and she's like, I'm not coming in. Why don't you do that story you were wanting to do about the guy getting his head cut off or whatever? And that's fine. So she makes the decision instead of Vern. She's just like, this is what I'm going to do. Cause like, I'm not coming in because I'm going to lose my job apparently if I do. And so just as she hangs up from that, there's a knock at the door. For some reason, Vern is there. Like, I also think it's interesting that because it's spread out to all, it seems like it's multiple days, but it's not. But that also is a way to kind of help the budget because they all can wear the same clothes. Like he shows up in the same outfit. <laughs> I guess. And that's okay yeah. because it's the same day apparently. Um, of course, you could, you could say that about Groundhog Day. That guy wears I mean, the same I'll, thing I'll, every day. There, there have been Tales from Crypt episodes that only took place in like one or two rooms that have been incredible. So Name one. I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and watch them and then find out that I'm wrong. I mean, technically, I guess you could say in All Through the House, that was one of them. It was yes. basically just at that house. Yep. But there were a couple of rooms. It's just In the backyard. Yeah, in the backyard. 
in the in the closet when she gets stuck in and then the doorknob <laughs> breaks and then he shows up on the ladder like <laughs> naughty nice. his face on that was so funny i just i just love the little girl's complete innocence no matter how malignant the santa looks she's reaching for him santa santa grab my hand go back like three years and listen <laughs> to my review on that one I, like, I had a good time when you get so fed up with the episode you're reviewing you start waxing poetic about a previous one so she gets off the phone and Vern is at the door and he's mad. I guess because the story's not ready. I think I'm trying to remember, was it because the story wasn't ready? It's because the story wasn't ready and he was angry about that. Yeah, and he's so. running behind. It, but it, that's what makes this kind of silly. And that's, this is yeah. kind of how you can tell it's probably not really what's going on because... Um, there's really no why reason. Why would he be there? Right. There's no reason for him to barge his way with a loaded gun into a place. Yeah, well, he, he doesn't even... like the, If the phone call just went to the place then... And he's knocking on the door mere seconds later. Yeah. He would have no reason to come down this there. This is obviously like, an alternate dimension thing that we're not. Well, dealing this is where it, this is where the idea of she's like predestined to have this happen to her comes in. Yeah, but the way it wraps up yeah, in the yeah. end, that's yeah. How then, can, but that's, that's the thing. why you know yeah, it's they not. Set up, they set up that very clear thing, and then they totally subvert it in a way that's disappointing at the end. So he's all mad, and he pulls out the gun, and she's like, "No, don't do it." Yeah, he instead of shooting her, he shoots himself. Right. So now he's so upset because he's. And then, inexplicably, she picks up the gun. Yeah, yeah. Why would you do that? The fact your prints are not on them or anything that they have, let alone the gun, is the main thing (laughs) proving your innocence. (laughs) Why would you pick up the gun? Yeah, so she's like, oh no, and then she just picks it up, holds it, like, yep, that's a gun. But then, literally, like... Six or twelve the same cops. cops come. It's like Those seven same, cops. The, the, their beat is the entire city, and they go around in a mob of a dozen of them just to shoot this one girl. And they just it's... run in, and she's like, "No!" And they do like a slow mo. Vern, what are you doing here? What do you think? Where's the story? Um, I I was just calling to tell you, something came up. I, I don't have it. You idiot! I got to have this issue to the printers in two hours. Except now I'm a story short. I fixed it. I called Hal, and I told him to finish that uh, guy who wants to be the head of the company thing. I hate that friggin' story. Oh, it's even stupider than Iggy's goddamn he's a werewolf, she's a vampire story. Oh, Christ! Are you drinking again? Mr. Godver, no, not a drop! You're fired! Do you hear me? Fired! Oh, Burn! Don't, don't do this to me! I can't take this anymore. Except this time she doesn't get shot. She gets arrested. Oh, that's right. That's right. So now she's being set up on a chair in, supposedly, I guess, a prison. Because she's in a little stripy outfit. Yeah, they're just about to face firing squad. Yeah, which firing is, squad. Which, which is, is, I guess, some states did that back then? Yeah, I she's not know. getting an electric chair. She's getting firing squad. Yeah, you always think electric chair when you think of this time. And now the two guys from the original scene who were pitching their ideas, too, say the same line. Again, poor girl. You can't say we didn't see this coming, but now they're detectives or whatever. So it's kind of like, oh, get it. I, I oh don't. My God. I don't like brick jokes. Brick jokes. The thing where just a statement is repeated and that's the joke. It's 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 weak. It was like remember is what, what I'm did saying. That? Yeah. So then she gets shot in the chair with the firing squad, and then it cuts to another panel of comic books 
this whole thing we just watched, I guess still including the, the bathroom scenes. They had to put one more twist and this is the this the whole thing is a comic that we've just watched i think including the comic bathroom within scenes a comic yeah within a comic exception and so that's the whole thing that's it so now it cuts to the tales from the crypt office rita rutner is the boss yeah this whole time richard lewis who was playing Vern as Vern still but he is the comic book artist and this is his comic yeah role the, the roles are completely yeah. reversed completely reversed role and she's She's supposed to be like a bitch. She's got a cigar. She's being just as big a bitch as he was. Yeah. What kind of ending is that? Yeah, it, it's a twist. It's a piece of shit. Even the artwork sucks. Uh, I can fix it. Oh, don't bother. And I don't appreciate you using my likeness in your goddamn story either. I gotta get this issue to the printers in two hours. Rick, grab something from your files, will you? Yep. You. In my office. And so she's got this power suit on with like leopard print and a, like a huge dragonfly brooch. <laughs> I do kind of like the swamp at the end though. Yeah. Even if it took a while. It feels like it took a while to get there even though it was 20 minutes. This whole episode, especially the ending, why? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how close it is to the Vault of Horror number 32. Because sometimes they do take liberties and kind of switch it up or make it more modern. Or Well, the quality varies. I mean, some, some of those stories are incredible. Some of them are just meh. It's all over the place. But yeah, so she's like, no, this isn't going to work. Uh, I think she gives the spot to another guy. Same thing. Uh, Richard Lewis is like all nervous, you know, and stuff. And then she's like, get in my office. And then he's like, no. Therefore hinting that he, and with when he, his head starts spinning and everything, it's like... A whirlpool? Yeah, it's like a whirlpool. <laughs> but we're, are we meant to take away from that that he's cognizant of those previous incarnations? No, I don't think he is. I don't think she is either. I think it was just us watching the comic to get I'm sucked trying, into this whirlpool. I'm trying to get something out of this, you know? And then that's the end of the episode. That's how it ends. It's just kind of like a little switch at the end. Try to do, like, they're both stand-up comedians, so maybe they were trying to do some sort of, like, punchline to hit it at the end, but it didn't really fall. It's not one of my favorite episodes. It's not terrible. So that's the end. It cuts back to the Crypt Keeper again. He is still making all those puns, just having fun. Now he's painting. He's got, he does have a little smock and hat on now. He's protecting himself. He doesn't have a mask, but he's just doing it. Just get in there and start huffing those enamels, man. And he's got a head under a bloody towel saying that he's taking bits or whatever instead of bids uh. on who's going to paint. <laughs> Crypt Keeper, you're so punny. And the best Crypt Keeper pun is... So what do you think, kiddies? Am I ready for Architectural Digest or what? It took a while, but this old haunt is finally coming together. Nice shutters over there. A lovely fright fixture over here. As a matter of fact, I've even started thinking of some new improvements I want to make. And I'm going to use the same contractor. I'm already taking bits. <laughs> Yeah, so that's the end of Season 6, Episode 3, Whirlpool. The next episode is Season 6, Episode 4, Operation Friendship. Mike, thank you so much for being on here today to talk about this lackluster episode. As always, it was a ple- uh, It was a thing. You know, <laughs> I'm glad to be here. It was a thing. <laughs> and thank you all so much for downloading and listening to this review. And if you would like to leave a review, please leave a five-star review which is lovely, on Podcast Republic, iTunes, or Facebook, and I'll read it on the podcast. Um, you can also follow the Good Evening Kitties podcast on Facebook. There's also a Twitter page at Gek Podcast or G-E-K Podcast. Again, thank you so much. 
and be safe and have a good one. Mike, say bye. Toodaloo. I just had quite a scare.